0: <laughs> Mama. Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host Heather Fox.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the Greater Vancouver area, We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I'm 42 and I have two sons, Alexandre and Nathan, making me a busy mom of two under two.
2: (laughs) Today, we are talking about how to set up your family for financial success. Let's go around the table and
3: introduce ourselves. Hello everyone, my name is Heather Fox and I'm the co-host of Parent Talk. I am 40 years old and I have a son named Hudson who is a year and a half.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Nasreen Jabour. I am a new mom as well of a one and a half year old named Marcus. I'm a financial planner, founder and director of Pretium Wealth Management, a boutique financial services firm from downtown Vancouver.
2: Well, thank you Nasreen, thank you Heather for being here today. Um, Let's dive in into today's subject. So where should we start when we think about finance, Nasreen?
0: First and foremost, I think it's really important for partners and couples to have open communications when it comes to their finances. I think it's really important to sit down, talk to your partner, get a better understanding of what your position is today and outline your goals. Where do you want to be in the next five years? Where do you want to be in the next 10 years? And then have a little discussion around your retirement. Um, It's really, really important to have a budget. Um, sit down and review your budget together every so often just to get an idea of where your disposable income is and just get an idea of where your net worth is so I think this way you'll be more informed and you'll just make more successful um, decisions when it comes to your financial future
2: and of course um, all of us have children and all, we all think about uh, getting them ready for the future going to school. So in that area, any tips or tricks?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, you definitely want to set up your kids uh, for financial success. And I mean, the main thing that you want to consider is their education. Um, Education is a staggering cost. Back in the early 90s, tuition would cost you around $1,400. Today it's about $5,000. So a four-year degree is going to cost up to $60,000. Um, inflation is about 1.3% today and tuition costs have increased by 4.3%. So you know, you get the picture. It's uh, it's it's staggering costs. So um, there's a lot of uh, different vehicles that you can um, use to save for your children. I think the main used one is your registered education savings plans, RESPs.
2: RESPs, yes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and the benefits to an RESP, number one benefit is that you get free money from the government and you get tax deferral on your investment. Just to let you know how an RESP works, basically, you contribute, you as a parent, you'd be the subscriber to the plan, and your child will be the beneficiary. You contribute after-tax dollars into the plan, and you have a lifetime maximum of $50,000. There's no annual maximum of how much you contribute into the plan, but for every dollar you put into the plan, you get 20% in a Canadian Education Savings Grant. Um, so the maximum grants per year is $500, which is equivalent to a $2,500 contribution per year. So what happens if your children end up not going to...
2: Because you have to do go post-secondary or to be able to... Yeah, so it
0: has to be a, a registered institution, it has yeah. to be a registered school. So we recommend that you set up a family plan first and foremost because if one child doesn't go to school then your other child will the money can be transferred to them it can be rolled over to the second child so have your kids on a family plan subscribe to a family plan and um, don't rush into making any decisions with the RESP because you can hold on to that plan to the age of 31 so your kid may change their mind down the road so hold on to it if you decide that it's not happening um, if you were to cash in the plan, which is an option, you'd have to pay back the grants and or if you have R S P contribution room, you can roll that money into your into your R S P Your own, right? And that moment is it tax deduction if you do? When you roll the money yeah. into the R S P yes.
2: Yeah, okay. I guess there's different ways to save to with or uh, for children. There's like a tax saving free account, there's other ways you can go to, but I guess the RSP that's where people start with, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I just want to point out that a lot of times people don't start right away for their kids. And that's one of the common mistakes when it comes to planning for your kids' futures. I think the earlier you start, the better. But it's not a, it's not an issue because if you, with an RESP particularly, um, you're not going to lose out on that grant room. It does accumulate. So say your child is three years old and now you decide, okay, well, I want to set up an RESP for him. Or her um, you definitely can and you can go back and make up for those grants so the lifetime maximum in grants is seventy two hundred dollars so you definitely want to be maximizing um, the use of the RESP just to get the most money that you can and then the compounding returns will will magnify your your plan so
2: if you're on a to leave and you don't have your full salary right now let's say so it's not it's okay to start this let's say after you go back to work yeah definitely yeah okay yeah
0: definitely so i mean it's it's always better earlier than later we recommend that you contribute on monthly basis because a it creates a discipline and b contributing on monthly basis so you have a three-year-old and a 13-year-old and for your three-year-old you've been contributing all this time on monthly basis and then the 13-year-old you want to start maximizing for the plan and you start doing lump sum, larger lump sum deposits the three-year-old's plan actually ends up, you end up having a larger value at the end of the day than you would with someone that's maximized on lump sum basis.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess it's the same thing with her own uh, saving too, for the future, for her own retirement, right? Same exactly. Idea. It's mm-hmm. the same discipline, yeah. What kind of advice can you give to families to set them up?
0: We highly encourage families to sit down with a financial planner and focus on building a foundation and working towards a goal. Um, Always plan with an end in mind. That works both for your retirement and for your kids' education. If you have an understanding of how much you need, then it's just easier to plan. So focus on four key areas. At the end of the day, you you wanna build a bulletproof plan. So first thing, First and foremost, you want to make sure that your liquidity is is good. So we recommend that you have about three to six months of your income set aside as an emergency fund. It's just a rule of thumb because you want to take care of uncontrollable events. And we know with children that happens, right? Even exactly. More. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it could be as easy as your car breaking down or... Um, anything as such. So you don't want anything to deter you from creating a gap in, in your goals and then your retirement plan. So that's first thing foremost. And then the second thing is look at your income replacement. Understand what your benefits are through your workplace. Your income is your biggest asset. If you don't have that coverage through the workplace, especially if, if you're self-employed, you really, really need to take that into consideration and have a plan that will um, offset any loss of income. And then you want to look at your family's financial security. What What's going to happen to your family in the event of an early demise? Or, you know, also looking at, you know, maybe creating a legacy or uh, talking about your estate planning. You know, what what what's going to happen uh, at the end? And then having uh, a plan for that, which most times, you know, we're talking about life insurance in that area. And then you look at your retirement planning and it's just understanding where your income is coming from you know do you have a pension what's your pension like you know what your government benefits are going to be like and how much income are you going to want in retirement and when you know those numbers then you're able to put a plan together that's going to get you there and most importantly it's how much income do you want in retirement
2: when we talk about life insurance, of course, a lot of us have younger children. So the need of life insurance, is probably a little bit more right now because I guess if someone dies right now, our children is going to be dependable for quite a bit longer than if they were already 20 or 30 years old, right? And so this is part of the plan to evaluate what would be uh, needed at a certain time of your life. And there's different type of insurance too, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, insurance products can get quite complicated. At the end of the day, you just need to look at your insurance need. You never want to be overinsured and definitely don't want to be underinsured. So um, it's just having a discussion with with an advisor as to what your immediate needs are. And that's just simply looking at your at your total debts, mortgage, consumer debts and funeral expenses and then also talking about your income replacement need because as partners we're obviously our lifestyles based on both partners income so looking at what um what caused what what could happen if we lose that one income so we work that part of the calculation and then and then come out with a necessary number for you for for the individual
2: mm-hmm. my husband Alistair was married to this wonderful woman called Tammy and tammy passed away at 38 years old from cancer so often you don't think about the your young partner that's going to pass away Mm -hmm. but uh, it's something that uh, i like to share around and have people take care of of those needs while you're healthy
0: because once you're sick it's not the time anymore to go get life insurance nobody's gonna insure you right exactly and thank you for sharing that i mean it's always important to kind of put it into perspective nobody i mean no one wants to to think of death you know that's the last thing you want to think about especially at our age and especially when you have young ones right because you're so invested in them and you know you never think about that but it it becomes most important when you start a family and before life insurance you really should consider getting your will in place as well Mm -hmm. so i mean You set up your will first and then you look into your life insurance coverage and it's pretty inexpensive i mean yes there are different products but the product that's needed for the short-term need it's it's very inexpensive so it's really well worth it to consider putting your life insurance in place and you know you mentioned cancer one of the products that would offer coverage for that is critical illness and you know i'm a huge fan of critical illness coverage and not a lot of people are as informed about it, but a critical illness insurance covers you in the event of a diagnosis. So it's a living benefit coverage, which gives you money when you need it the most. It insures you for a certain amount. And, you know, 31 days from your diagnosis, you get this tax-free lump sum that you can do whatever you wish with it. And as we know, a lot of people are surviving cancer today. Um, so it gives you that time to either take time off work to seek alternative treatments or to simply just look after yourself and, and your family is it something you recommend
2: for our children because our children can get sick and i think what that means is we have to take time off work and it can be significant mm-hmm. uh, impact financially right
0: i mean 100 percent like yeah i can talk about my my financial situation and that's what i did for my kid You know, my kid has an RESP and my kid has a life insurance contract. And the reason for the life insurance contract for my kid is mainly from a savings perspective. We can actually build um, cash values within the contract for him. And it just creates another pot of money that he can access. But most importantly, I actually do have critical illness on Marcus. And the contract is a little bit different. And it's another way of savings. You know, the way the contract is designed is that the child is covered up to age 25 And if no diagnosis, the child will get, the contract expires, but you get 100% of the premiums back. So it's just another tool to save. And in in the meantime, you have coverage. And as we know, it can be a huge financial liability. God forbid anything were to happen to our kids.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, my brother passed away from ALS. I think I shared that in the other episode. And my brother had critical illness insurance. So I saw the difference when you actually need to buy a van that is wheelchair accessible then all of a sudden you need to redesign the entire front of your house with an elevator it's very expensive mm-hmm. so my brother used that money the government helped my brother with some programs but uh, a lot of the money that he had from his critical illness provide him his last couple good years years and he was still able to be actually mobile and get in and out of his house. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it brings a little bit of peace in your mind. I mean, my brother was 35, but still, you know, he had a little boy and, uh, and a wife and uh, they were not stressed financially. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I, I've seen what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I think everybody should should think about and look into it. And again, you don't think you're going to be dying at
0: 35 or Mm -hmm. 38. We all have superhero syndrome. You know, no one wants to be sick. And unfortunately, you know, life events happen. It's life and, and cancers become really common, especially with women. I mean, I think breast cancer is an epidemic, like a lot is happening. So, yeah, I agree with you. And for you, Heather?
3: Uh, For us, um, we're at a place where actually we just um, purchased a townhome. We were in a condo before. So the nice thing financially is with the sale of our condo, we were actually able to clear out all the bad debt, (laughs) which was fantastic. No more car payments, no more credit card payments. (laughs) All that bad stuff is gone. So anyways, but um, now also that I am a stay home mom, like it's totally a different scenario where before the mortgage of the condo, I used to kind of hold on my own before I was with my husband. And so I didn't feel like I really depended on him and or or his income because the whole like I had done it originally on my own and then he came into the picture and obviously things got very a lot easier (laughs) financially when I had his help but now that we are in a townhome so obviously the mortgage is a bit bigger and I'm not working we have a whole and we have a little one it's like a whole new ball game and I'm like okay so we need I mean yes we have you know a you know, decent budget, we know kind of what's going on that way. But I'm like, we need life insurance, we need critical illness insurance, we need a will, we need to get all these things in place. And it can be very overwhelming when you don't know that world at all. Um, So that's kind of where we're at. And I definitely need to kind of get going on those steps (laughs) to make sure that we are protected and covered while we are both still healthy and Things are in a good space right now. So Mm -hmm. definitely want to get on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. And it's great to see that you're, you know, you're thinking towards that.
3: So Nazrin, do you
2: see some mistakes that families do like over and over? Is there a pattern out there that we should be looking for? Like what not to do? Uh...
0: The biggest mistake is when people don't do anything. A lot of couples are really scared of the conversation when it comes to money. So I think just get comfortable with talking about money. It really should not create a rift. It, I mean, my husband and I, it's, it's, it's kind of fun, actually. We like looking at our net worth statement and, and doing our budget. And, you know, we just have fun with it and we set goals for each other. It just it kind of pushes us to save more. So um, just just have the conversation. And, you know, when it comes to debt, a lot of people are... Generally scared of debt, and I think the it's just understanding good debt versus bad debt. Um, A good debt is a mortgage, and you know a lot of people I find in Vancouver because real estate is so expensive, and and it's it is their biggest asset. I mean they just fixate so much on paying down that mortgage. Well, don't worry about the mortgage; it's such a low interest rate. Um, Focus more about your consumer debt, and that's your credit cards. And you know I I've seen a pattern with some couples where. You know, they'll, they're so comfortable with carrying debt on their credit card because they can transfer it from one credit card to the other because the other credit card has an introductory rate of a lower percentage. And, you know, that's just a really big no-no for me. So just understanding the good debt versus bad debt. Um, and, you know, again, a lot of times using debt to grow your wealth it could work. I mean, Jim Patterson, for example. You know, he always borrowed money to to invest in businesses, use other people's money to grow your wealth, and that's um, you know, that's that's something to think about as well. So, I mean, those are really the common mistakes. It's just not having the conversation, um, not understanding good debt versus bad debt. I think it's like the top two. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, if we get
2: like buried into credit card debt and. Then... Childrens are sick and it can make things very complicated,
0: right? For sure. And then you know they look at their biggest asset and they're like, okay, well we're just gonna refinance our home to pay off our debts, and it just gets into this cycle of you know refinancing that mortgage over and over and over again. So stick to a budget, work within your budget, and another comment I want to make about that: save first and spend second. So you know when you have a plan as to what you want to save a month, have that come out out of your accounts before you spend the rest because then you know what you actually have to spend
3: Mm
0: -hmm. and what kind of percentage should we
2: put aside is there a? I i know we always heard about the the 10 percent or i think there's a book on that out Mm -hmm. there i can't remember the title but uh, what's usually what people do
0: yeah i mean the rule of thumb is to start at 15 percent and work your way up to 20 percent um i mean we don't want to Stretch your limits, and it's just really going to come down to your disposable income, and you know any anything to start is a is a good start. But start at fifteen percent and then build up to
3: twenty percent. I think that's a really good plan. And with that savings, that does that include your RSPs, RESPs, and tax like all those exactly. lump together? Yes. Okay. So that'll
0: include even your insurance okay. as well, right? Yeah. Okay. So any
2: final tip that will make us better money manager?
0: I would highly encourage everybody to consider working with a financial advisor. I think um, a lot of people get so carried away with working with someone at the bank. I understand why everyone trusts the bank, but a lot of the times the individuals that you work with at the bank, that's not their career. It's kind of like a, um, a rotating door. you know they're in and out, they're not invested in your best interests. So do work with an independent financial planner because they're more invested in your in your situation. And um, say first, spend second. And, you know, another tip is that, in my opinion, markets don't have a place in planning. So when it comes to planning, don't be chasing a return. Think about long term and think about, you know, you are in control and it's how much you save that's going to get you there. So, of course, we all want a good rate of return, but your retirement is in your hands and it's how much you save, not your rate of return that's going to get you there. Mm hmm. So it's about
2: being consistent in our saving and, and let it be from as young as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Like let it grow compound interest and uh, start get, early. Yeah. Start early. Yeah.
0: As early mm-hmm. as you can. And it's never too late. You know, someone that starts in their twenties, you know, is not going to be far ahead than someone that's going to start in their thirties or forties. It just simply means in your thirties and forties, you just save more and mm-hmm. you just have to commit larger lump sums to achieve your goal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for
2: our children, I know we already opened a bank account for Alex and we already have a grandma, grandpa that gave us checks and we put it in there. Like any, I, any tr- tips or tricks around that? Like what should we do with this? I guess can, you can invest it, you can leave it there. What do you do? What people do?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you have an RESP in place, there's a couple of other things you can be considering. Um, you could open a non-registered investment. Um, with them in, in trust of the account. Um, you just have to keep in mind that the growth on that investment is going to be taxed in your hands as a subscriber. And that could eventually become a larger taxation than today. Um, and another thing, you could use your tax-free savings account if you're not using that towards your retirement planning um, and you have available contribution room, you could use that to save for your children and the advantage there obviously is the money grows tax-free and you take it out tax-free so and then life insurance is another way mm-hmm. and uh, when we think about
2: being on maternity leave and paying taxes so what should we plan when we are when we have that year on maternity leave uh, do we have to pay taxes how is that work
0: well i mean everybody's situation is different you know some people get topped up through work others don't so i think um the most advice i can give there is just to understand where your income is going to be for that year definitely set aside some money to offset you know all the expenses that come along with having a new child and also look at yeah keep in mind that that ei payment is is being taxed so if you're not you're not you're no longer getting that income deducted, income tax deducted at source you want to account for what the taxation is going to be on that and then invest in your RSPs likely.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the first $11,000 is not taxable, right? So that gave us a
2: bit of a break to start mm-hmm. with. And then it just depends on your uh, EI contribution it's to plan for your. Uh, next year of taxation because i think Mm -hmm. when you're on maternity leave people that do get ei because i know like people like hughnazrin you didn't get it because you're self-employed right exactly so if you're self-employed you don't get it but like i'm employed so i did get it so next year i have to plan on probably paying a little bit to on taxes Mm -hmm. so it's good to know because i think a lot of people don't know about that they just think they get their ei payment every two weeks and they don't have to think about future taxes
0: yeah exactly and i've run into that situation a lot with some of my female clients where they've come to me and like oh i actually had to pay some taxes last year um i didn't think about you know moving money into my rsps so if you have contributions into your RSP going in on a monthly basis then you won't have to worry about it because that deduction will be there for you no matter what
2: mm-hmm All right. Thank you, ladies. I think, Heather, it's time for a conversation card.
0: It's time for a conversation card. Every
2: week, we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more, too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious.
3: Let's find out what it will be this week. All right, ladies. Are you ready? So our question today, do you believe animals have emotions? (laughs)
0: of course yeah definitely animals i i'm i'm not a pet owner i've never owned a pet so i don't really speak from experience but my sister um inherited a couple of dogs and we, you know just from the discussions and just watching their behavior of course animals do have emotions
3: yeah i would definitely have to agree we have two cats um before we got marty who is our newest cat um we had molly and murray and when murray passed Definitely, Molly kind of almost went into a bit of a depression and she was acting differently and she kind of had almost like a sadness about her. And it was definitely she could definitely notice that Maria wasn't around anymore. And so, yeah, it was. You could definitely see kind of that emotion and um and just in the way they react like when kind of like if you if we when we go on vacation and things like that and then we come back like they're just like they, you can tell they're so happy to see you and things like that yeah so there's definitely i think emotion for sure in animals yes
2: i think they have emotion but i think they feel thing different than humans mm-hmm. too when i was pregnant my mother-in-law dog Jasper would go crazy around me like it was like a behavior change when I was pregnant he would go crazy and then like and then after that when I when Alex was when I wasn't pregnant anymore when Alex was there um that stopped actually so it's kind of interesting to see more
3: based on instinct for them I don't and know. They, like there yeah. was
2: maybe instinct or feeling or But I don't yeah, know, they right? like they, they know things. Like yeah.
3: I when I had a surgery that was one time Murray at the time, um he stayed with me in bed and he slept in a place he never ever had slept before, but he was like there for me while I was, you know, healing. So mm-hmm. they yeah, they say animals know you're pregnant before you even know sometimes things like that or yeah. So well, I mean, it
0: makes sense. I mean, they say yeah. dogs is a man's best friend. There's a yeah. reason for that. Go. Right. For sure. So, yeah. And yeah. it's really interesting kind of hearing about their behavior, especially around pregnant women and yeah. around new babies. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, so, yeah.
3: definitely.
2: All right, ladies, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Nazreen, and thank you, Heather, for being here. Thank you for your contribution in other parents' life.
1: For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please contact us on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean, or you can subscribe to this podcast uh, directly on our website at parenttalk.ca please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to know what you think. And also it's a great way to let us know what other topics you would like to hear about. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you everybody for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent
2: Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.